India and Korea have a lot in common. Their relations go back to thousand years. Buddhist monks traveled to and fro. And even today, a small percentage of Koreans trace their heritage back to a legendary princess who supposedly came from Ayodhya. K-dramas and K-pop are huge in parts of India, particularly in the Northeast. But is that all there is to relations between India and Korea? Welcome to States of Anarchy, a podcast on global affairs and foreign policy. I'm your host, Hamsani Hariharan. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about the Korean Peninsula. We busted myths about North Korea. We demystified the recent summits between Kim Jong-un and Trump. We've spoken about democracy in South Korea and how the city of Seoul has developed over time. But through all of this, I was asking myself, do Indians care? Why should Indians care? India actually has a pretty important role during the Korean War. The ceasefire in 1953 was declared after both North and South Korea accepted a resolution sponsored by India. And then the Neutral National Repatriation Commission, which was in charge of resolving humanitarian issues, was set up and India was actually its chairman. The Cold War stopped any major exchanges because South Korea is a US ally, while India declared herself strongly non-aligned. But from the 1990s onwards, things changed. Trade became an important pillar of our relations. There was more interaction between people. Leaders finally visited each other's countries. And just a couple of months ago, in February 2019, India and South Korea signed six major agreements to cooperate on infrastructure, law enforcement, media, and other things. I've been very lucky to record today's podcast. My guest for today is Mr. Satish Sivan, the Deputy Chief of Mission at the Indian Embassy in Seoul. We caught up on what both India and South Korea are doing on fronts of trade and investment and culture. But before we get to the interview, let's take a short break. Hey everybody, welcome to another great week on the IVM Podcast Network. If you're not following us on social media, please make sure you do. We're IVM Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We'd like to thank our sponsors for the month, Savari Storytel and Paytm Money. Thank you for your support. Also, guys, we're still hiring. And uh, as I've mentioned before, I think IVM Podcast is probably the best place to work in the world. So if you're interested in joining our team, we're looking for producers, content creators, audio engineers, developers. We're looking for business development people. We're looking for data scientists. We're looking for all kinds of so if you're interested, send us an email to careers at indusvox.com and we shall get back to you hopefully and get you on board. We have a brand new show launching called The Origin of Things. It's hosted by one of the co-hosts of Simplified, Deepak Gopal Krishnan, better known as Chuck. On this show, he'll be focusing on the origin of famous brands. Chuck will drop fascinating hits throughout the episode, but the brand is revealed only at the very end. Will you be able to guess the brand before the reveal? Find out by tuning into the first episode launching on Wednesday, 19th of June. And Keeping It Queer is back with Season 3. The new season has more of everything from stories to debates to discussions. The show also has two hosts now, Naveen Narona and Farad Karkaria. Tune into the first episode of their reunion. On Cyrus Says, filmmaker Jaideep Sarkar talks to Cyrus about his early days in showbiz, why he enjoys making ad films more than features, and his recent launch film for Times of India's Times Out and Proud campaign. On Business.next, by Bloomberg Quinn, Govindra Jathiraj talks to co-author of the best-selling book Fish, Harry Paul. They talk about the importance of a culture of excellence in an organization and how it is one of the most integral parts of employee management. 
On Edges and Sludges, our new cricket podcast, Ashwin, Varun and DJ are talking to the cricketers and Atif Nawaz about the ongoing ICC Cricket World Cup. On the 99th episode of the Pragati podcast, Pawan is joined by Dr. A.P. Ashwin Kumar from the Center of Learning Futures to unpack nationalism, language and identity. Nationalism is also the topic of discussion on episode 39 of Pulia Bazi, where Pranay and Saurabh are joined by Nitin Pai, director of the Takshashila Institution. On this episode, they specifically look at liberal aspects of nationalism. On Shunya 1, Sheila Diti and I are joined by Pranav Kosari, founder of Flick and co-founder of Brandy. We talk about Flick, the world's smartest button, and Pranav's future plans in India. And with that, let's continue with your show. Welcome back to States of Anarchy. I'm Hamsani Hariharan, and I'm in conversation with Mr. Satish Sivan, about the bilateral ties between India and South Korea. Hi, Mr. Sivan. Thank you so much for speaking to me, particularly in such a great place like Seoul. When I think about India and Korea's relationship, they have a lot of things in common. They're both good democracies. They've both had strengths and failings in how their economies have developed. Uh, They both share the same sort of Independence Day. What do you think are the major areas of cooperation when we talk about India-Korea relations? Thank you. Thank you for visiting us at the embassy. You have said a lot of uh, common areas between India and Korea. In the embassy here, we feel that there is not a single uh, area of human endeavor where India and Korea cannot cooperate. If you see the activist policy of the government, one of the main pillars of this policy is India's relationship with Korea. And why do I say this? It's because if you look at the commercial relationship, for example, whatever India seeks to achieve, whatever the, be the technology, be the resources that it requires, Korea has the ability to offer us just going one sector, the commercial area of engagements, which is the most prominent, which is the most visible part of the relationship. Um, we are trying to work together on areas such as ports, shipping, Infrastructure. When I mean infrastructure, you can go over the whole habit, be it the railways, be it the roadways, be it the uh, shipping industry, uh, and, and on top of it, looking at the smart cities, creating the infrastructure for the smart cities, marine, fisheries, agriculture, food processing industries, defense industries. So the whole habit of next-gen development that we are looking at, India and Korea can collaborate. Uh, similarly, in terms of the new technologies, artificial intelligence, robotics, these are another set of areas where India and Korea can collaborate. The potential is there in everything. The possibility lies in everything. And there is wonderful complementarity. What India requires, Korea has it and has the resource to give us. Mm-hmm. So that is one aspect. Then when I look at the political and strategic relationship, as I said, the defense industries and the defense relationship, the people-to-people contact, the cultural uh, relationship. In every area of what I can perceive as a diplomat, we have possibilities to collaborate. So I would say that uh, the possibilities uh, look immense. The future looks very promising for us. And what does India have to give in return to Korea? India has got a wonderful market, right? If you see a country like Korea, they have capacities. How do they use their capacities? They have to have more markets. Uh, This is exactly one of the things that we have been telling them, that India can be a base not just for the Indian market, India can be a base for their expansion into the new frontiers, Mm -hmm. like in Africa, Mm -hmm. in the West Asia. So they are looking at newer markets. 
So India is one place which can provide them the capacity to absorb their excess capacities as well as enable their development, future development. The companies, Korean companies can benefit. That's what we can offer. Yeah, when I think of Korean brands, many of them are already very popular when you think of, you know, smartphones or cars. Um, and as someone from Chennai, I've always wondered why, you know, there are so many Koreans in Chennai, why so many big brands have set up there. So how did they come to set up there, these big Korean brands? Koreans are very enterprising. They are very entrepreneurial. They are very, very smart. So the Chebos, as they call their collaborators, they had the wisdom and vision in 1990s when India embarked on the opening up to see that this is a market which we should uh, capture uh, as quickly as possible. Mm. So if you see the timeline, it was after our opening up in the early 90s. Mm. The Korean brands like LG, Samsung, Hyundai, they all ventured into India in the late 90s. Which, uh, if I'm not wrong, the Chennai plant of Hyundai was in 96 or 97, it was inaugurated. And Samsung's plans were all around the same time. Mm. So they saw the potential of India, the market that it offered, and they came in there. Mm. So that's the early early stages of uh, Korea's uh, expansion into India. But following on the footsteps of these global brands uh, of Korea, other chebols of Korea like Chosun, Lotte, all these brands have started looking at Indian market. Then comes the next wave. Now is the time when we are focusing on the small and medium enterprises, uh, which have, have the great capacity to take our economic engagement to a totally new level. Mm. So our engagement isn't new. It goes back to now more than 20 years, right? And how does investment look? Because Korean economy is something that a lot of people in Korea have been worrying about. So how does investment look from Korea to India? I think Korea is the fifth largest investor in India right now. Investment figures, if I'm not wrong, is about uh, $6 billion, cumulative investments. It's growing. The, we had a very good uh, wave of investment happening last year. If you, if you have seen the news, Kia Motors, which is a subsidiary of Hyundai, mm-hmm. invested about uh, $1.1 billion into their factory in Anantapur in Andhra Pradesh. The factory process has already started, uh, the factory is under construction. Mm. If I am not wrong, the first cars will roll out late this year or early next year. Mm. And this project came up in record timelines, mm. uh, which we are really very proud of. That's one aspect, you would have seen the news article regarding the inauguration of the world's largest smartphone factory in Moida. Mm. Uh, yes. That's an investment of uh, over $700 million, if I am not wrong, by Samsung uh, in their in expanding their uh, factory in Noida, in a smartphone factory. And I'm told that LG is also looking at, uh, uh, LG is also looking at new investments in India that they don't have the information. So these are the investments which we hear from Chebos. Mm-hmm. There are companies which are looking at uh, new, new fields like mm-hmm. in chemicals, like petrochemical sector, mm-hmm. like in steel, uh, uh, like in other, other uh, areas, uh, other companies which are looking at investments. Uh, not from Lotte, for example, mm-hmm. uh, took over uh, a prominent uh, ice cream brand called Have More Ice Cream. Oh, yes. At, at the rate of the investment was about $150 million. Mm-hmm. So, all these have been in the last one year alone. Mm-hmm. So, I am sure that you will be hearing more such Korean investment stories in India mm-hmm. over the next few years. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, i think when our prime minister narendra modi came to korea last year it was also sort of decided that india and korea would double their trade by 2030 so is this the direction that some of these investments in some are going forward of course trade and investment are a critical aspects by talking about trade i have explained to you about the investment mm. by tra- talking about the trade as of for the calendar year 2018 we had a trade of about close to 22 billion dollars uh, mm. both ways and the target that the leaders have set is for a trade of 50 billion dollars which is more than double what mm. as you were saying double is actually more than double mm. in over the next 11 years uh, and how we are going to achieve it we are going to achieve it by opening up our uh, countries to each other mm-hmm. uh, that we are trying to do through uh, upgrading our cepa the comprehensive economic partnership mm-hmm. agreement between the two countries which has been enforced from 2010 mm-hmm. which has helped us to move from about 10 billion dollars in 2010 to about 22 today mm-hmm. and this cepa we are trying to upgrade mm-hmm. identify our areas for sort um, of interest to both the countries and that is one way where how we will achieve this trade target of 50 billion dollars by the year 2030 At this point, let's take a break. Did you know that Parsis in Mumbai, instead of being left at the Tower of Silence after they die, are now cremated? And why? Because a cow fell sick in the early 1990s. Did you know that the smog in Delhi is caused by something that farmers in Punjab do, and that there's no way to stop them? Did you know that there wasn't one gas tragedy in Bhopal, but three? One of them was seen, but two were unseen. Did you know? that many well-intentioned government policies hurt the people they're supposed to help why was demonetization a bad idea how should gst have been implemented why are all our politicians so corrupt when not all of them are bad people i'm amit varma and in my weekly podcast the seen and the unseen i take a shot at answering all these questions and many more i aim to go beyond the seen and show you the unseen effects of public policy and private action I speak to experts on economics, political philosophy, cognitive neuroscience and constitutional law so that the insights can blow not only my mind but also yours. The Seen and the Unseen releases every Monday. So do check out the archives and follow the show at seenunseen.in. You can also subscribe to The Seen and the Unseen on whatever podcast app you happen to prefer. Welcome back after the break. You're listening to States of Anarchy, and I'm Hamsini Hariharan. So, South Korea is an important part of India's Look East policy, but India is also an important part of South Korea's own New Southern policy, as it's called. So, how does India fit into South Korea's vision? So, the Look East policy you mentioned uh, started in uh, 1990s, early mm. 1990s. If I'm not wrong, it's in 1992 mm. that we said that yes, it's time to focus in on our eastern frontiers. When Prime Minister Modi took office in the year 2014, he felt that we need to vigorously act mm. towards uh, act in improving our uh, engagements with uh, our uh, Eastern partners, be it uh, Korea, be it ASEAN, be it Japan, be it China. So, active policy came into force in 2014, and you can see the results. The trade is going up, the engagements are going up with almost all the countries in the region. Now, how does it fit into the Korean government's vision? President Moon took office in 2017, and when he came into office, uh, I think he had a realization that Korea, as you would hear from the think tanks and the, the, the intellectual circle in Seoul, that they were focused on their four major 
partners, which is US, Russia, China, and Japan. And they felt that it is time for Korea to expand its frontiers. And that's how they were thinking that, okay, it's time to look at partners in the south, which is Korea South, which includes ASEAN, which includes India. These are countries who they see as having the potential to help in Korea's own growth over the next decade or two. So I think Korea sees India as an integral part of this. And this, if you see, looks at fits pretty well into our activist policy where we want to work and expand our relationship with countries like Korea, which is in our eastern uh, frontier. So that's how I think both the countries are looking actively at each other. That's great. When I also think of, you know, people-to-people ties, as you mentioned, Korea is a country that has, you know, a very strong pop culture presence, right, in terms of soft power. But India is also a country that has a very strong soft power. So how do you see Koreans in Seoul, in Korea, sort of looking at Indian culture? That's an interesting question, you know. Uh, Many of us won't know this. The cultural engagement between or cultural relationship between India and Korea go almost back by 2000 years. I don't know whether you know this legend. There's a legend of Queen Ho. Uh, this mm-hmm. queen apparently traveled from India mm-hmm. to Korea and then married a Korean king of the Gaya kingdom, which is located in the southern part. So this uh, queen married him and then the progeny, mm-hmm. their offsprings, they are called the Hers or the mm-hmm. Uh, Jimmy Kims. So apparently they, they constitute about a sizable part of mm-hmm. Korean population. Uh, some put it at seven percent of Korean population. Wow. So if you if you speak to Koreans and uh, they, many of them recognize that there is a there's an old linkage between India and Korea. Mm-hmm. And also it doesn't stop there. The legend also goes that uh, this means uh, brother mm-hmm. brought Buddhism into Korea. Apparently he was a Buddhist monk mm-hmm. and when uh, he came and then the the couples, the king and the queen, hers uh, kids, about, I think there were nine kids, mm-hmm. they were the first Buddhist monks of Korea. Ah. Uh, apparently there is a temple uh, dedicated to this Buddhist monks mm-hmm. which is located in Dingbe. So this linkage of Buddhism and uh, Queen Suri Ratna, her mm-hmm. name is actually Suri Ratna mm-hmm. and in Korea she is called as Queen Her. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Her clan, the surname mm-hmm. Her, comes from there, mm-hmm. from this way. And this is the first cultural linkage between mm-hmm. India and Korea. And of course, uh, the latest uh, elements of Indian culture like yoga. Mm-hmm. Uh, yoga is not latest, but the mm-hmm. more popular, commonly popular elements like, such as yoga, Bollywood, mm-hmm. they are uh, known in Korea. Yoga is immensely popular. It is. Uh, I went to one yoga class and everyone there was better than me. It was. It felt like there was yeah, a reflection. It's, yeah, it's, it's 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 a little bit different. They look yoga as more uh, physical mm. uh, sort of physical fitness aspect. Mm. We look yoga as a more holistic spiritual aspect. Yes. And the differences apart, they are very very crazy about yoga. Mm. Uh, Bollywood, I would say, it's picking up. It is not as much as you would see in other countries uh, across the world, but it's picking up. Uh, Dhamma was a huge hit last year. Before the uh, Korean president uh, visited uh, India last July, mm. the first lady mm. had a special screening of Dhamma along with uh, about 25 Indian students, uh, and she was uh, thrilled to watch the movie. And after going to India, 
she sat with the Pogat sisters and tea and had tea at the hotel. Oh, that's awesome. That's a great story. And what about, uh, do you know how Korean soft power is perceived in India? Sort of like, is oh. there a craze about Hali? Actually, I'm putting it on a lighter note. I feel uh, I have grown up and I've grown old when I know that I am not so tuned to K-pop as some of my younger uh, relatives or uh, kids in India. They seem to be knowing all the pop groups and uh, and the K-drama and the K-soaps. So I think uh, it's, it's becoming immensely popular. And uh, we see a lot of uh, Indian tourists coming into Korea just because of the attraction uh, of K-pop. And uh, they have seen all these cities, all these places. They seem to be knowing about the Korean culture and food just by watching them. Mm-hmm. So when they land here, they are not aliens to Korean culture. They know it very, very well. That's awesome. This is my last question to you, sir. If someone is interested in reading more about India-South Korea relations or just knowing more about it, what books would you suggest or what resources would you suggest for them? So, I would like to recommend the book by uh, former ambassador of India to Korea, Mr. Parthasarvi. Uh, this is a book he has written on uh, Princess Suri Ratna who travelled from India to Korea uh, almost 2000 years ago. That is one book which gives a wonderful story of how this uh, queen travelled from India to Korea and married the Korean king. So anybody wanting to know about the historical linkages between India and Korea, I would recommend this book. Alright, thank you so much sir, thank you. Thanks. So that's it for this episode of States of Anarchy. The book that Mr. Sivan recommended, An Indian Princess in Korea, is available online. I've attached a link for it and some other resources in the episode description. If you have any comments or questions, then do reach out to me at the rate States of Anarchy on Instagram or at the rate Hamsani H on Twitter. You can listen to States of Anarchy on the IVM podcast app or wherever you get your podcasts. If you haven't subscribed already, just click on the button and before you know it, we'll be back next week. Hi, I'm Ronnie Scruella, first-generation entrepreneur and co-founder at Upgrad. My podcast, Dreaming With Your Eyes Open, is a companion podcast to my best-selling book, Dream With Your Eyes Open. On this podcast, I talk to Amit Doshi, founder of IVM Podcast, about my entrepreneurial journey. I walk you through my successes and failures, mostly my failures, and the lessons that I learned from my experiences, family, and colleagues. What was my first entrepreneurial venture? Why I chose Japanese cartoons over animation cartoons on Hangama? Why did I sell my stake at UTV to Disney? Find out all this and more on the Ronnie Scruella podcast, Dreaming with Your Eyes Open. New episodes out every Tuesday on the IBM Podcasts app, website, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Filter coffee is a fascinating beverage. You need to pick the right beans, blend them in the right proportion, roast them to perfection, and slow brew at the right temperature to get the perfect cup. Which is exactly like great conversations as well. You need to track down the most interesting minds, get them into their zone, and settle down for an unhurried, unscripted chat. And coffee for me is always, always, always best enjoyed with friends. I'm Karthik Nagarajan, and do share my table as I meet some of the most interesting people I know and sit them down for a strong cup of coffee and an even stronger conversation. Join me every Wednesday for a freshly brewed episode. This is not frappe. 
This is the Filter Coffee Podcast. Filter Coffee.